Hey y'all, Jake Bible here. Thank you for listening to the original podcast recording of Dead Mech that I released way back in 2009. I've had a lot of folks ask for these original recordings, so I thought I'd put them back out there for y'all to enjoy. The episodes will be released weekly for free, but if you don't want to wait, then head over to jakebible.substack.com and subscribe. Links are in the show notes. Paid subscribers receive access to all 26 episodes right now. And that's not all. Subscribers receive access to early release ebooks, getting them before they even go on sale in my online store or any of the retail sites, plus early access to new audiobooks, exclusive short stories, including the weekly Friday Night Drabble Party, live readings, and so much more. That's jakebible.substack.com. Subscribe now and get all the goods. Now, enjoy a little bit of the past. Thank you. You're listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel, written and performed by Jake Bible. This story is available only as a podcast novel and is not for the faint of heart. If you can't stand blood, gore, graphic violence, foul language, cannibalism, zombie hordes, or sexual situations, well then, you aren't invited to this party. For more details and info, go to jakebible.com. Feel free to leave your mark there. It's only fair. Episode 11, Chapter 5, Part 2. Can you two hold the front? The rookie yelled. Yeah, the way they're wedged in there, we can do this all day, Masters responded. Or until we run out of ammo, Jay added. Great. How about we avoid both of those scenarios? The rookie joked, kneeling and taking careful aim. He pulled the trigger methodically, placing a bullet between the eyes of each zombie he aimed for coming through the back door. Within less than three minutes, not a body was twitching behind them. Clear back here. Masters glanced over his shoulder at the rookie's handiwork. Holy fuck! Unfucking believable! Thermopolis set the slice of the Sergeant Major's brain upon the slide, and the slide upon the scanner. She stripped the bloody gloves from her hands and tossed them into the incinerator bin. She sat down in a nearby chair, the only chair in the autopsy room, and tapped at her tablet until she got the readings she wanted. That can't be right, she said to herself, double-checking the readings. Please, God, that can't be possible. She grabbed a fresh pair of gloves, picked up her bone saw, and started to remove the rest of the sergeant major's skull. Seated at his desk, Commander Caprizi rested his head against his palm, studying what little data Jethro was able to retrieve from the UDC security personnel's tablets. Sir? Bisbee asked from the doorway. Yes, Biz? All mechs and the main transport are prepped, loaded, and ready for immediate evac if needed. Thanks, Biz, Caprizi sighed. Thermopolis chimed in on the comm. Commander? Yes, Doctor. Where are the bodies right now? Harlow and Rachel are taking them out to the pyre, Bisbee answered. Shit! Get them on the comm now! The nanotech repairs the zombie brains! They aren't completely dead yet! Rachel pulled the ATV in front of the funeral pyre, slung her carbine, and hopped out. Harlow did the same, immediately grabbing one end of a body bag as Rachel grabbed the other. They respectfully placed it, and the others, on the pyre, 
stacking one upon each other, the wasteland sunrise reflecting off the bag's black plastic. Should we say some words? Rachel asked. You can if you... Carlo stopped, staring at the bags. Baby girl, Caprizi's voice called over the comm. Yeah, Papa Bear, Rachel responded while watching Harlow unsling her carbine as the top bag wobbled and fell to the ground. Commander, Jethro called. Not now, Jethro, we've got a situation on our hands. Sir, I'm picking up transports right on the heels of the waste storm. Fuck, are you sure? Well, the info is sketchy because of the storm, but I'm pretty sure we are looking at between 10 and 15 transports. I'll be right there, Caprizi sighed. Doctor? Yes, Commander. I need you on the comm with Rachel and Harlow. I've got a bigger priority right now. Um, okay. Just tell them how to kill those things and get their asses back here. Yes, sir, I'm on it. Sounds like it's past, Rebecca said. Should be able to go up soon. June coughed against the dust swirling about in the earthen room. Her head was killing her and her body ached from abuse and fatigue. Is there anything to eat? June asked, regretting the question as soon as it came out of her mouth. There is, but you won't like it, Olivia answered. She pulled a pouch from her skirt pocket and took out three short, fat strips of jerky. She took one for herself, handed one to Rebecca, and offered the third to June. I... I can't. Harlow and Rachel watched as the body bags writhed and flexed, their contents trying to escape. Those won't hold long, Harlow said, taking aim. Hey, base, what's the order? Rachel called. Rachel, Thermopolis here. Listen, shooting them in the head won't permanently kill them. Since fucking when? Harlow interrupted. My reality is based on a headshot being a kill shot. They've been altered. I think severing the head will kill them permanently, or, or burning them completely. So, stick with the plan, then? Harlow asked sarcastically. Yes. Rachel grabbed the fuel can from the ATV and began to pour. All right, this is how we do this, Jay said, loading and packing weapons while the rookie and masters held off the bottlenecked zombie horde at the front door. We take as much gear as we can. You two go first, and I'll hold them off with the flamethrower. I'll follow as soon as you are clear. Wrong. The rookie shouted back. There are two mechs, and I can't drive either of them. The two of you are more important than me. I'll hold them off with the flamethrower. Either plan works for me, Masters yelled as he reloaded. Harlow surveyed the landscape as Rachel poured the fuel onto the shuddering body bags. Not a single debtor heading our way. Storm's coming, Rachel responded, tossing the can aside and pulling a lighter from her pocket. They aren't smart, but they know enough to take cover from a waste storm. Yeah, I guess so. Rachel lit a starter and tossed it, instantly igniting the fuel-soaked body bags. The plastic of the bags began to melt and fuse to the zombies, freeing them from their confinement. Okay, maybe we should have thought that through, Harlow said. No shit, Rachel responded. Caprizi stared at the screen. I'm not seeing them. Just watch, Jethro grunted, closing his eyes, his face tightening in pain. Jethro, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Just the excruciating head pain, that's all. He adjusted the focus on the vid screen, trying to filter through the storm's interference. See those blips? 
Those are transports. The red ones are UDC for sure. Don't know what the green ones are. How long? Storm hits in a few hours. Transports are maybe another couple hours behind that. Caprizi patted Jethro on the shoulder. Good catch. Keep me posted. Will do, Commander. Ready to do this thing? Jay called out. Ready, the rookie and Masters responded. The rookie lifted the flamethrower and gave a quick blast towards the front door as Masters kicked out against the cage door. The door didn't budge. Shit, Masters yelled. Move! Jay took aim with his shotgun and fired off four rounds, one to the lock and three to the hinges. The door tumbled to the ground and Masters and Jay opened fire, leaping from the cage. Come on! The rookie laid down a steady stream of fire, giving them a few more seconds, then followed. Matthew awoke to the sounds of a hundred rotted fingernails scratching at the metal of his mech as dozens of zombies clambered past his war machine and into the safety of the cracked cliff face. He held his breath as the last few passed over him and into the darkness beyond. Okay, don't see that every day, he thought. He checked his sensors and watched the zombie readings disappear further into the cliff. Looking up from his instruments, he stared out into the wasteland, directly into the hell that was one of the largest waste storms he'd ever seen. Oh, shit. Thermopolis watched in horror as the part of the brain she cut away was quickly repaired and replaced. She had the foresight enough to secure Crowley's body and was glad she did so as the once dead undead Sergeant Major began to thrash and convulse as its brain became active again. That was faster this time, Thermopolis muttered. Hey, Doc, Rachel called over the comm. Will a headshot stop them at all? Yes, Thermopolis responded, but not for long. Drop them and burn them quickly. Gotcha, Harlow chimed in. Thermopolis heard gunfire before the pilots switched off the comm. Holy fuck! Didn't we already put those guys down? Masters yelled as several of the former fight patrons, those still intact enough, began to get up and pursue the three men. What the fuck? The rookie bellowed, setting several aflame. That ain't fucking good. Come on, Jay screamed as he was able to shove bodies out of the way, freeing the back door enough so they could close it behind them. We don't have time to count bodies. Let's go. There was a large groan and a crack as the press of zombies at the front entrance became too great. All right, mechanic. The commander wants you set up in the transport, Bisbee said, entering the control room. Hold on, I'm making progress on the source of that signal. Jethro responded, fingers rapidly tapping at his tablets. No time. Caprizi wants it done now. We are going to need to bug out as soon as the storm allows. You can work in the transport until we bail. Jethro rolled back from the console. Fine. I need those three tablets and that interface box. What the fuck's an interface box? For the Minimex. I thought you lost those, Bisbee chuckled. Fuck you. Shiner knew the waste storm was almost on it, and could do quite a bit of damage, but the dead mech pushed on, following the live mech's trail. As the zombie pilot inside itself deteriorated, Shiner also knew it was going to need help. The living pilot might be able to provide that help. With the storm bearing down, Shiner finally got a lock on the living mech. Satisfied the mech wasn't going anywhere until the storm passed, Shiner set to work securing itself some protection from the storm. Shiner punched both fists into the earth and began to dig. 
Whoa, don't catch your ass on fire, Rachel cautioned as Harlow dumped the rest of the fuel on the now still debtors. Don't worry about me, Rach. I can take the heat. Rachel laughed, climbing into the ATV. Harlow tossed the empty fuel cans into the back of the ATV and jumped in as well. The two pilots watched the bodies burn, flesh melting and melding with the body bags. One zombie began to stir and Harlow readied her carbine, but the thing was still in seconds as its skull burst from the heat and its brain boiled into nothing. Matthew braced himself as the storm front smashed into the cliff. Even tucked away, surrounded by rock, the force of the storm made his mech shudder. He double, triple, and quadruple checked his environmental controls, satisfying himself he wouldn't die by choking on wasteland dust and dirt. He laughed to himself as his sensors picked up several zombies scrambling around his mech, despite the storm, drawn to the irresistible lure of fresh meat. They didn't stay long as three of their number were brought down by debris. The waste storm had already switched gears from swirling dust to flying rock. Caprizi flicked through the geogrid, debating which route and destination would be his people's best chance of survival. Gauging the direction of the storm and what lay behind it, Caprizi could only come to one conclusion. Follow the rail further into the waste. Son of a bitch, Caprizi muttered. Commander? Bisbee asked. What? Oh, hey, Biz. Jethro set? Yes, sir, and Harlow and Rach just pulled into the hangar, Bisbee answered, eyeing the commander carefully. Any idea where we're headed yet? Yeah... But no one's going to like it. Caprizi turned the tablet and Bisbee took a look. Oh, man. Masters tossed the last of the grenades into the fight room as the front door bottleneck finally broke and the zombies poured in. The rookie sent a final stream of fire into the room, then tossed the flamethrower after, hoping to add fuel to the fire. Jay yanked on the back door, almost getting it closed before the grenades went off. The concussion from the explosion slammed the door fully closed, knocking all three men off their feet. Masters' ears rang, and he felt blood trickle down the back of his neck as he got up. We gotta move! You want the good news or the bad news first? Thermopolis asked as she entered Caprizi's office. The commander and Bisbee looked up from their route plotting. Good, Caprizi said. The nanotech is localized in the brain only. None seems present in the rest of the body. Okay, and the bad? They get faster each time they repair the brain. Which means what? Bisbee asked. Which means any inoculated zombie can eventually rebuild while taking damage. Invincible zombies? Great, Bisbee growled. Not quite. Fire will work, and decapitation should put them down also. I can work with that, Bisbee grinned. Down that? Are you fucking kidding? Masters hollered, staring at the small hole in the floor of one of the holding pens. We'll never fit! The rookie flipped his shotgun around and began hammering at the hole, sending chunks of concrete flying in all directions. The opening slowly widened with every impact. The sound of wrenching metal echoed from above as the debtors breached the door into the holding area. Shut up and cover us! Jay yelled, flipping his own shotgun around and joining the rookie. This is going to suck. Masters complained, taking a knee, autocarbine at the ready. Matthew took one last look at the waste storm, then wrapped his mech's arms and legs tighter together to increase the protection against the flying debris. He knew this was going to be a bad one and hoped he'd make it through. Hearing the intensity of the crashes and feeling the shudders as fragments of the wasteland were flung against his mech, 
Matthew's hope began to wane. Hey, baby, he began to dictate. In case I don't make it through this shit, I want to say a few things. Outside, the waste storm enveloped the land, plunging everything into darkness. Rebecca shoved against the cellar hatch with all her weight. Finally, it gave way and she was able to squeeze through. Hang on, she called from above. Let me clear away some of this shit. How bad is it? Olivia asked. It's not a total rebuild, but it ain't good. Olivia cursed. I'm too old for this shit. She glanced over at June, who was staring at the piece of jerky in her hand. Girl, you have to eat. Whether you agree with our way of life or not doesn't change the fact that if you don't eat, you die. Gunshots rang out, making Masters duck. Shit! I really fucking preferred it when debtors didn't know how to use guns. Fucking understatement of the century. Now quit whining and get in the motherfucking hole, Jay yelled. Masters fired off several shots and turned to look back at Jay and the rookie's handiwork. Ah, oh, this is really gonna suck. Shut the fuck up, you big baby, Jay barked. Now get in the hole! You two first, the rookie hollered, taking Masters' place and pushing him towards the open sewer hole. I'll hold them off. I'll be right behind you. June climbed from the cellar. My God. Olivia and Rebecca's shack had one collapsed wall and the interior was in ruins. June looked out upon the rest of the village and gasped. Many shacks were completely destroyed. People were frantically digging through the rubble, trying to get at those trapped underneath. Small fires burned here and there, adding their smoke to the already dust-laden air, turning the village into a surreal dreamscape. June stepped out of the shack and wandered among the wreckage in a daze. We suffer the same as everyone, the boss whispered from directly behind her. Remember when this base was filled with personnel? Twenty mechs lined in a row, another twenty out patrolling, Caprizi trailed off as he entered the hangar with Rachel. It's changed a lot since we first came here. It's not your fault, Rachel said. Caprizi turned to his daughter. Oh, I know that, baby girl. I just never thought the day would come that we'd have to evacuate, to leave this place because we couldn't defend it on our own. We'll be back, don't worry, Rachel soothed, squeezing her father's arm before joining the rest of the base staff standing at attention. They're just people boss said, gesturing at the carnage. You can hate me, and rightly so. He leaned in close to June's neck. I am a bit of a monster. June squirmed away, and the boss caught her arm tightly, pulling her in close. He grabbed her chin and forced her to look out onto the village. But don't hate them. They're just normal people trying to survive. Just like you and your mech elite. Just like every living thing in the waste. Olivia cleared her throat from behind them. Are you about done? The boss walked away, laughing. We have less than an hour before the storm hits us, Caprizi said, addressing the base staff. All initial readings show this to be one big motherfucker. Caprizi studied the faces before him. The resolve of the mech pilots, the worry of the doctor, and the pain of the mechanic. With the speed it's moving, we should be able to bug out within three or four hours, depending on the intensity of the tail end. We're leaving before the storm passes? Demopolis asked. Yes, we need the head start and the cover to beat the transports heading our way. 
The rookie dropped through the hole, landing in ankle-deep filth. He flicked on his halogen and sprinted down the sewer tunnel. I took out the first wave, but we have maybe a five-minute head start. Tops, he said, catching up with Jay and Masters. Do we know where we're going? Jay tapped at his tablet. Readings are sketchy down here, but if we head straight, we should hit the main junction. Get topside, and we're only a quarter mile from the mechs. Yeah, but what's waiting for us topside? Masters asked. Probably the whole city-state, Jay answered. Rebecca handed June a bucket. Here, make yourself useful. June took the bucket and looked around. Rebecca took her by both shoulders, pointing her in the right direction. The well's that way. Help with the fires. Taking June by the arm, Olivia took over, holding a bucket of her own. I can't help you forever, girl. If you don't shape up soon, the boss will toss you aside. Trust me, it may not seem like it, but the boss is all that's keeping you from being torn apart here. There ain't no love loss for you Mechies or the UDC. Double check time, people. We need to prioritize, Caprizi stated. Thermopolis, you need to list all supplies you think essential. Rachel, you're on food. Harlow and Biz, weapons and ammo. We have limited space and weight means energy used, so be careful and precise. The transport can recharge as we go, but the mechs will need downtime to recharge fuel cells. We may end up traveling at night and recharging and resting during the day. Caprizi looked about at his staff. Any questions? Where are we headed, sir? Harlow asked. Deep, pilot, Caprizi answered. As deep as we can. The villagers watched June like wild dogs, wary, expecting her to hurt them, but ready to rip her throat out if threatened. June tried to ignore the stairs, tried to ignore her own pain and hunger, and focused on the task of fetching water. She willed herself into mission mode, to put away her fear and hesitance. She stepped up to the well and filled her bucket, but when she turned to leave, she was relieved of her bucket and handed it empty. June took the hint and stayed by the well, filling buckets as they were thrust at her. Hey, rookie, Masters asked as the three men made their way through the sewage tunnel. Can I ask you something? What? the rookie responded. Back at base, when you and Harlow were sparring. Yes? You let her win, didn't you? The rookie was quiet for a moment. Yeah, I did, but not by much. She'd have been a champion in the fight cage. Masters laughed. Yeah, I'm sure she would be. Hey, can you do me a favor? Um, sure, what you need. We make it out of this place. Please never tell her you took a dive. You got it. June worked at filling and handing off buckets until her arms refused to work. She slumped against the well, and someone pushed past her, taking her place as if she wasn't there. Come on, Olivia said, once again coming to June's aid. The fires are out, and they're just smothering the coals so there aren't any flare-ups. June let Olivia help her to her feet and took a drink of the water she was offered. Thank you. Over here, Rebecca called, and Olivia directed June to a group of women, all busy working over a huge cookpot. Dinner's almost ready. Matthew checked systems as he walked his mech from the sanctuary of the cliff face and back out into the open of the wasteland. There was some minor damage, but nothing that would keep him from his mission or from defending himself if the time came. He calculated the timing of when the storm hit and when it passed by, 
figuring the mech base was right in the middle of a world of shit of their own right now. Nothing he could do about that now. Matthew got his bearings and engaged his motor drive. Next stop, Windy City. Masters, Jay, and the rookie stood in the sewer's central junction. All three stared at the ladder that would lead them up to the streets of Foggy Bottom. Who's first? the rookie asked. Don't look at me. I never thought this was a good idea to begin with, Master said. Yeah, but you'll think it's a good idea when we make it out alive, Jay growled. And I'll be proven right when we're ripped apart as soon as we're topside. Funny how neither option fills me with a warm and fuzzy feeling. The three stood there staring at the ladder. Sir, Jethro called from the transport already in place for the evacuation. We should be able to bug out in 20. Thank you, Jethro, the commander responded. Okay, folks, time to get ready. Rachel, Harlow, get in your mechs and take point. Bisbee, Doctor, you two are with me. We have one last task to take care of. Thermopolis sighed and grabbed a med kit. Bisbee double-checked his sidearm, then slung an autocarbine over his shoulder. The three left the hangar and made the short journey through the base to the holding cells, to the zombies held within. The odor emanating from the cook pot made June's empty stomach churn and her mouth water at the same time. The women began to ladle out portions of the stew and hand them out to villagers patiently lined up and waiting. June averted her eyes, fighting her rebellious hunger. Here, girl, Rebecca said, pushing a steaming bowl of stew into her hands. You've been coddled enough. Now eat. I won't eat this, June protested, setting the bowl aside. Won't eat, the boss mocked, stepping next to June. You hear that, everyone? Rachel, our mech pilot guest, won't eat, the boss bellowed. Sir, do we have time for this? Thermopolis asked Caprizi as they stood before the holding cells containing the debtors that once were the UDC med techs and train pilots. I mean, they are already dead. I agree with the doctor, sir. Fuck them, Bisbee chimed in. Do they look dead? The commander asked, gesturing at the uncharacteristically docile zombies. You saw how they calmed down over the past couple hours. They are different. So what do we do? Thermopolis asked. Caprizi pulled his pistol and shot each zombie between the eyes. Let's bag him up and load him up. Two massive fists emerged from the storm-swept earth of the wasteland. Shiner reached up and pulled himself from his hole, shaking the dirt and debris out of his limbs. He scanned the surrounding area, hoping the live mech hadn't escaped him. He was relieved, another new sensation, to find the mech at the far edge of his scope. He made sure his jamming was in place and set off to pursue the live one. He calculated the heading, knowing what he'd find. The live mech was still traveling to Windy City, and almost certain death. Probably for both of them. The street was deserted. Not a car was moving, nor a pedestrian walking. The sounds of the city-state were absent completely. Jay, Masters, and the Rookie noticed this immediately as they emerged from the manhole. Um, I think I would have preferred a zombie horde, Masters whispered. This shit's creepy. No shit, agreed the rookie. Jay checked his tablet. We're only about five blocks from the UDC hangar. This way. The three men set out in the direction Jay indicated, their entire beings listening for the sounds of approaching death. I mean it. This is fucking creepy, Masters whispered again. Folks! 
This mech brat, this privileged, spoiled little daddy's girl, thinks that our food is beneath her, that our very way of life is beneath her. Should I stand for that? The boss addressed the hungry, exhausted villagers. June sat there, terrified, waiting for the group to call for her head. But none spoke. None responded to the boss's question. They all just glared at her, seeming to know what would come next. No, we can't stand for this, the boss turned to face June. Until you eat, none eat. He grinned wide and swept his hands about, including the entire village. Should you start up the mechs? Masters asked Jay as they rounded a corner and saw the entrance to the UDC hangar. What? The rookie asked. I thought you said you couldn't remotely control the mechs. Well, not with any accurate movement control, Jay answered, tapping at his tablet. But I can run the startup procedure and have them both ready to go when we get in there. You think they're waiting for us in there? Masters asked. I'd be, the rookie responded. Not that we can guess how these things think anymore. All bets are off on that front. Even though it was daytime, Matthew knew what he was looking for and quickly spotted the same anomaly on his sensors. What are you and why are you jamming my sensors to your presence? Matthew asked. He figured that since that thing hadn't made a move on him, it couldn't be a dead mech or hostile waster. What the fuck are you? He checked his headings and figured he'd be almost to Windy City by nightfall. He wasn't exactly sure what he was going to find once he got there. He hoped the commander was overreacting. He'd know soon enough. Undead UDC troops poured from the hangar door. Masters Jay and the rookie ducked into an alleyway, hoping they hadn't been spotted. Guess that answers the question of where the troops are, Masters whispered, waiting for us. You say you can't accurately control the mechs, right? The rookie asked Jay. Yeah, so? Jay responded. Well, we don't need accuracy, do we? We just need the mechs, the rookie smiled. Can you bring him through those walls to us? Jay grinned. Sure I can. Let me check the mech's position. Okay, they're ready. Good, the rookie said. Bring them to the streets. Bisbee secured the four bagged, bound, and still unmoving debtors into an outer storage compartment on the transport. How long do you think until their brains rebuild, Doc? Bisbee asked as he shut and latched the compartment. Probably another hour or so. That seemed to be about the length of time it took Sergeant Major Crowley's brain to repair the first time, Demopolis answered. Good. Plenty of time for us to be on our way, Caprizi called from the transport. Speaking of on our way, sir, we need to get moving or we'll lose the storm cover, Jethro said. Concrete and steel exploded outward, crushing many of the UDC troops as Masters' mech burst from the hangar. Get it close, Masters yelled at Jay. I'll get up in there and give you cover to get to yours. Jay shakily maneuvered the mech towards the alleyway. That's as close as I can get it without risking us getting squashed, Jay said. Fine. You got me? Masters asked the rookie. The rookie knelt by the mouth of the alley, auto carbine at his shoulder. Ready. Masters sprinted to his mech and the rookie laid down cover fire as the UDC troops recovered. June looked into the clay bowl in her hands and then out at the villagers. None of them averted their eyes. All watched her, waiting. Well, Rachel Caprizi, what will it be? Eat the stew now or be the stew tomorrow? The boss laughed. 
He leaned in close to her ear, his breath foul and hot on her cheek. And trust me, dear, dear Rachel, I will have my fill of fun before I hand your carcass over to the cooks. Now, pick up the spoon and eat. June lifted the spoon, squeezed her eyes closed, and opened her mouth. Master slipped into his cockpit and strapped in just as the salvage mech burst from the wall, widening the already massive hole. The hangar began to sway and buckle from the lack of support. Oh, how I've missed you, he almost purred. With practice, speed, and efficiency, Masters took control and began to stomp and blast away at the undead UDC troops. Come on! Move, move, move! he yelled into his comm. Go! I've got you covered, the rookie yelled, slapping a fourth clip into his carbine. Move ass! Chase sprinted to the salvage mech and clambered up the leg. Tears fell down June's cheeks and dripped from her chin into her stew, but she didn't notice as she took bite after bite. The boss laughed heartily. Ah, I was looking forward to mech pilot stew. Oh well, she made her choice. Let's eat! The villagers cheered subserviently, none of them truly overjoyed by the boss's game, but all glad they could finally feed their bellies after a long night's confinement and a hard day's work. Olivia began to reach out for June, but the boss grabbed her arm and pulled her away, leaving June alone with her torturous meal. Jay punched a massive fist into the foggy bottom pavement, crushing a dozen UDC troops at once. Climb aboard, kid! he yelled to the rookie, who was already slinging his carbine and dashing to the salvage mech. The rookie gripped the massive fist and hung on tight as Jay brought it up to the cockpit level. Let's get the fuck out! The rookie yelped as a bullet tore through his chest. He collapsed halfway into the cockpit, forcing Jay to grab a hold and pull him the rest of the way in. Kid, are you okay? Jay cried. Yeah, just go. Rachel and Harlow's mechs stood before the mech base's hangar doors, the transport behind them with Bisbee's mech taking up the rear. Open them up, Jethro, Caprizi ordered, seated at the transport controls. Yes, sir. Jethro responded, already making the keystrokes necessary to override the base's storm protocols. Even though the worst of the waste storm had passed, the wind that whipped into the hangar buffeted and shook the mechs in transport. Stay alert and stay tight, Caprizi called over the comm. Pilots, let's move out. The mechs in transport stepped and rolled from the base into the wasteland. You have been listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel. The preceding episode was recorded and produced by the author. The intro music was Miles and Miles by Lake Acres. Outro music is Destroy by The Eternal. Both tracks available at podsafeaudio.com. Title graphic by Ed Delaney. Find him at peculiarcomics.com. This recording is protected by a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivative works, United States 3.0 license. You can share it, copy it, and give it to anyone you want. Just don't edit it, change it, or try to make any money off it without direct permission from the author. Thank you for listening. My head is spinning. Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast of Dead Mech. Don't want to wait until next week for a new episode? 
go subscribe at jakebible.substack.com and you'll get access to all episodes right now. Or you can go to my website or any major retailer and get the audiobook narrated by Julie Hoverson. You can also get the ebook, which is free on all major retailer sites, as well as my own store. Go to jakebible.com for more info. Thanks, y'all. Cheers.